0: This is Mediocre Outdoors, episode 15 Be Yourself. I talk today with Kevin Mills, a beekeeper with high five bees. It gets pretty interesting, and this has been something that I've wanted to investigate and learn more about for a long time. So, with my newfound knowledge, I uh, share with you. Enjoy! So, my first question to to all my uh, interviewees is, uh, what are you drinking? I am, like, currently? Yes. What's in your hand?
1: Currently, well, (laughs) there's there's several ways to answer a question like that. Uh, No, usually, uh, actually, I don't have a drink drink in front of me. Uh, I was actually just considering getting some uh, uh, of this kind of fancy coffee. Oh! And I've been, I, I've all of my frustration of COVID nineteen quarantine uh, is being focused on small batch uh, coffee roasteries
0: from around the world. Okay,
1: and that's <laughs> that, that's sort of I, it, it comes from some kind of volcano somewhere that's supposed to
0: uh, enrich the coffee thing. Well, hey, it sounds like we got another podcast coming out in a couple more weeks. <laughs>
1: I I am so close, so close to being a uh, what's that what's that word for the uh, wine experts the um,
0: a connoisseur sommelier. a smollier. a smollier. Yeah, oh,
1: okay a connoisseur sure. yes yes, yes so, I'll give you tasting notes that uh, that I looked up on Google under the uh, the source
0: nice there you go <laughs> <laughs> well cool that's so that's interesting I actually have a friend that is is into started doing uh, some green coffee bean roasting. And uh I myself have kind of no, I wouldn't say dabble. I I I don't care. As long as it's black and hot, I'm i I'm pretty much good. But uh I have started noticing uh some fancier coffee brands. Uh that they do taste a little different on the palate. Kinda like beer. I guess it's like anything. You know, the more you pay the the better it's gonna be. And that's why it costs more. Right? No, it's up. <laughs> totally, no, totally. And, you know, the thing is, is that the the interesting
1: thing that I find, I mean, you know, of course we're going to be talking about bees. Is the same thing with honey. Um, same thing with coffee or with honey in coffee.
0: As oh, well. that's an interesting uh, it's take. Pretty, yeah, it, it's pretty. It's pretty
1: amazing just the wide diversity. And I mean, I love cigars too, and just and, uh, kind of like rich, full body flavored.
0: Things,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it's it, it really is unlimited.
0: Yeah, my my thing lately has been scotches. So yes. i I in the last year have found that I really like scotch, and it's way out of my price range.
1: <laughs> I, I understand that yeah, if you get, to get a really good quality one. Yeah, but, uh, that's uh, what. What's your favorite so far?
0: Well, I mean. Honestly, Glenfiddich. Okay. Um, it's it's kind of a a lower single malt. It's in you know like the the forty to fifty dollar uh, a bottle type range, which is I mean it's still pretty expensive when I can buy Jim Beam for for thirteen dollars a fifth, you know. Sure. But uh, but man, do I like that single malt Scotch. There's like I said, I've had a few cheaper brands, which are okay. Obviously, to me, what I found is anything below that forty dollar mark uh, starts to get a bite to it. Anything over that, I can pour over over some ice, and it's uh it's very drinkable. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's as far as as my connoisseuring gets.
1: <laughs> I you know what? There was a a gentleman when we lived in Virginia. It was called the uh, was it Copper. I want to say Copper Fox Distillery something along those lines but they made a scotch type of whiskey that was so incredible I mean it was it literally it, it was almost as smooth as oil Ooh. as far as just the like there wasn't any sharpness to yeah. it at all yeah but the flavor profile they smoked the malt okay. uh, with apple applewood and so there was this kind of Anyways, it was just mind-boggling. I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I think I can actually get shipped here enough in the meeting to do that, but haven't got around to it.
0: Well, well, let me know. Maybe we need to go have these on the shipment.
1: Hey, man, you know what? I, I would be for that. Actually, just as I was talking to you, I was thinking I don't know why I haven't shipped it or why I haven't ordered it yet. Yeah, yeah, I love that stuff.
0: We should, uh, we should definitely talk more about that later because I would be down for that stuff.
1: Yeah, no, by all means,
0: by all means. Well, let's uh, let's plug you a little bit. Uh, why don't you tell the audience who you are and uh, what what you do? So, from the help that I've been getting from my psychologist, I seem to be a simple man <laughs> with uh, simple
1: simple needs and desires. Uh, yeah. No, I uh, I started in BTB, had a love for bees from the time I was probably like seven, eight years old, used to carry bumblebees around with me, used to freak my grandparents out, which probably actually uh, motivated my love for them even further. But uh, anyways, I got involved in actually buying my first hive of bees when I was 13, and uh <laughs> the passion for it just grew from there. Uh, interestingly enough, when I was nine, uh, the way I was introduced to beekeeping was from this crusty old beekeeper who uh, was quite the legend. And uh, I don't—I think probably about every second word, without a word of exaggeration, was a profanity, which made it even further further interesting to uh, you know reflect back on some of the wisdom he gave me. Uh, I realize that only half of it's profanity and the other half is, is wisdom, but uh, anyways, he took me out, and I had never been stung before, and my father made the mistake of saying to him, hey, George, Kevin's never been stung before, we're worried he might be allergic, did you get him stung? Well, blankety-blank, yeah, I could blankety-blank do that, so, well, he took me out to these bees, opened a hive, told me to look in it. I looked in it, and he slammed the lid down. I got stung eight times in the face. <laughs> and uh, got a bee stuck in my ear, which has
0: never happened since that day. Wait, wait a minute, wait and a minute. That was you mean like literally lodged in your ear canal? Lodged in my ear canal. It was the weirdest
1: sensation to have that oh. thing stuck in my ear, buzzing.
0: That would sensation. drive me nuts.
1: It was the weirdest thing. And then he finally just backed out and, and flew away. So, I mean, go figure. Yeah. How, how anyways? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And, and so after that experience, he brought me back with stingers hanging off of my face. And said, well, now we'll get to see if he's allergic. And I didn't die. And, uh, so my, my passion for beekeeping died for about a year and then it came back. <laughs> and so that's, uh, yeah. So that's where that was my introduction.
0: Interesting. Well, why don't you tell me who you are, and, and why don't you plug your business a little bit?
1: Sure. No, I, so I'm Kevin Mills, and uh, hail from all over the place. I was actually born up in Canada and raised in the southern states. My mother's from Canada. My father's from uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, my wife and I have a couple of restaurants, or a couple of restaurants, uh, a couple of businesses, one is a restaurant, even though I guess arguably, uh, the bee business does have kind of a food industry part of it, the honey. And, uh, I got three daughters, which, um, so far have been an absolute blessing. But, uh, these horror stories that I keep hearing about the effect of hormones and adolescence on both sexes is terrifying to me. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that's kind of, um, Kind of who we are, and uh, just
0: plain, simple folks. Okay. Plain, simple folks. So if somebody was... I don't, I don't wear makeup or anything. Right? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> good to, to hear. <laughs> so if somebody was looking, looking to uh, maybe purchase some honey from you, uh, or had questions about maybe buying uh, a starter hive or something like that, uh, how would they get a hold of you?
1: Uh, probably the best way would be either Facebook or online. Uh Hive Five Bees is the name of our company. H-I-V-E like a beehive. Hive, the number five bees. B-E-E-S. High Five Bees dot com uh, or the same thing. If you search us on Facebook, we also have a YouTube channel with a bunch of educational videos on bee management and things like that. Really, course, so to no. our, yeah. Oh. And of course, to our restaurant Mills Diner, like our last name M I L L S Mills Diner here in Rochester,
0: Washington. You you must be from the South because nobody around here calls it Washington. <laughs> it's, you know what? I just do it because I like the feel of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It 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 reminds me of like people that say Oregon, you know. Yeah, well, that's a East you know, Coast it thing. One of
1: those, it was one of those things that you know some of my family. You know, because they were, they came from a long line, we come from a long line of hillbillies and proud of it. Would say, you know, I went out and washed my clothes. And to me, clothes that have been washed just seem like there's been more due diligence and that they would be way cleaner than clothes that have been washed. Okay. Like, I don't know what it is, you know, just that washing, you know. Yeah, my britches were
0: washed. I mean, it just gives you a sense of confidence that you wouldn't have otherwise. It sounds like they got starched too. (laughs) <laughs> it may have been, you know? so okay, well, then I got one for you because this has been a this has been an age old debate around here uh especially where I come from, and so uh there's a bunch of us we i guess we consider ourselves hill folk uh we live on hills and we're not live in cities, so I guess we're hill folk but we we refer to everything in my local area um as uh a crick okay mm-hmm. well anybody from the outside area always corrects us and when i say us i'm talking several thousand people um <laughs> uh, we we all say it the same way but anybody from the outside of our area uh our little corner of the world calls or corrects us and say it's a creek so how do you say it? do you say creek or crick
1: you know it probably depends on who i'm talking to okay Uh, because of, yeah, I really got messed up as a kid in so many ways, but no vocabulary wise, uh, I, because I was raised all over the place, I have a tendency to unwittingly just kind of switch to the pronunciations and, and vocabulary of where I am.
0: Oh, you're a chameleon. Yeah, more or less. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) It's just from that, from that upbringing of. You know, you're always going and at different places. You do learn to do that, sure. Uh, and so, I yeah, I would say probably just depends upon what you know what's most popular and what's going to get me the greatest amount of votes.
0: Yeah, there you go. You're 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 a businessman and a politician soon to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah so I, yeah, I, I <laughs> always ask I always ask people that because it's like for me, my excuses is, is that. A crick is something that you that you have running water and maybe find tires in. A crick, or excuse me, that's a crick. A creek is something a chair does. Is it a
1: what? <laughs> well, it's just kind of like the same thing. If somebody asked someone from the south one time, why do you say uh, why do you say y'all? You know, yeah. And he says, he says the reason I say y'all is you all is what you use for
0: moving. Yeah, you haul. <laughs> <laughs> so, to say uh, y'all. Yeah, so I, I'm with, I'm down with that. So, <laughs> and you know what's funny is, is I will use both. Uh, and there again, it depends on where I'm at and what I'm doing. Sure. But I think You're if well, yeah, if I'm, I'm feeling a little slack jaw for the day, then I'll say y'all. But. <laughs> so uh, anyway so it's let, whatever works yeah we're, we're getting off on a tangent let's get back to beekeeping so uh so if if somebody why don't you why don't you just give us a quick history uh on beekeeping and then kind of how it works and then maybe we can transition into how people can get into it sure well i
1: mean there's a excellent which you know what long am Sitting here in front of my iPad, uh, let me see if I can look up the name of this book that I just finished reading. It's actually a history of beekeeping in the United States, and I mean beekeeping goes back to uh, like they traced it back to Egyptian times, and so it's hard to say when it actually when it actually began. Uh, however, I think one thing. That's pretty consistent is when you're around bees, it's pretty evident that you, there almost seems to be engineered in bees and humans, this, uh, uh, mutual relationship, just this, uh, this harmony of working together. Right. And <laughs> I mean, certainly you have days where that harmony seems like it's flowing through the window, uh, when you're getting eight stings on your face, but, Overall, um, there's just been a really interesting, really interesting relationship with honeybees. And then uh, this, like, okay, here I've just found it: "Bees in America: How the Honeybee Shaped a Nation" by Tammy Horn. And uh, that was an awesome book because I mean, she goes back to really the very beginning with the first uh, settlers. That honeybees, and then of course, you know, moving in the, uh, 18th, 19th century, uh, 20th century, uh, just how significant bees were, uh, at, as part of our culture and part of our civilization. Right now, uh, I'm trying to remember what the, what the cute phrase is, uh, that most people will say of something along the lines, of, I think it's three out of every five bites of food is, uh, due to the pollination the honeybee has done, something along those lines. And so it's become a, and, you know, really fast forwarding to today with the colony collapse disorder that came on the scene back around 2004, 2005, uh, where all of these honeybees were suddenly disappearing off the face of the map. That may have been one of the best things to happen to our industry, in the sense of bringing attention to it,
0: Neg- negative and, negative uh, publicity is still publicity, right? No, totally. And the thing is, is that you know
1: beekeeping, beekeeping. Most people, when they think of beekeeping, they think of the person who has you know a couple of
0: hives in their backyard or what have you. Do you want to know what Which, I think of? What's what? I think of Donald Duck. <laughs> <And> they, <laughs> Yeah, there was a cartoon of <laughs> him doing that, wasn't there? Yeah, him him and uh, okay. Humphrey the Bear. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I forgot about that. I'm going to have to look that up later tonight. <laughs> that, that's that's the extent so, of my beekeeping. <laughs> yeah, well, but I mean, you know, I mean, really, because people, I, I mean, that's one of the things
1: I find fascinating about the industry is people's interest. I mean, as soon as you tell somebody that you're a commercial beekeeper, they get this look of just sort of insatiable curiosity which i, mean, I I'm flattered by it. and so you know the when the ccd came on the scene at the uh can you explain that? or what's that
0: can you explain what that means yeah
1: it, what it was they weren't they didn't know what it was in the beginning we've got it uh pretty well figured out now as far as what is causing it no i mean, the reason I mean it was called i mean what, what what the what the letters stand for ccd it was a colony collapse disorder okay okay cool and because what what we were seeing is beekeepers would go out to their hives and the bees would just be gone and what okay. was really weird is that the week before the hive could seem to be perfectly healthy and normal and so, and this was happening on the scale of tens of thousands of hives, and so it, it had everyone freaked out, understandably. Now we've realized that it's you know ironically, with you know the whole COVID thing going on, is that uh, it was all due to viral issues, most mm-hmm. of the time. I mean, sometimes you'd have pesticide issues and what have you. but most of the time... What it was is because bees are so hygienic, they're so clean in their environment that, uh, and we had all of these viruses that were mutating, uh, within colonies being carried by these little mites called Varroa mites that are to kind of put it in perspective. It'd be like having wood sticks the size of a dinner plate, uh, crawling around you and your family having <laughs> I mean, their uh, compared to the size of the bee they are they're pretty big and they they carry over 30 different viruses now wow and so what would happen is these viruses would start getting established in the hive and then hit a critical tipping point and the bees would literally remove themselves from their colony in an effort to try to protect their fellow colony uh mates or whatever you want to call uh from further infection but well was, like you said, it would happen in mass. And so that was a pretty
0: pretty scary time for the industry. That's amazing. So you're saying they had the they had the ability to understand that they had caught this virus and were distancing self distancing yeah. themselves uh to keep the hive alive without infecting the other part of the hive. Yep. That, yeah, that's, that that's crazy. Uh, <clears throat>
1: We breed for that. I mean, honeybees in and of themselves are already very much, uh, have a proclivity towards hygienic behavior.
0: But is that uh, is that instinctual or is that a thought process?
1: Uh, it's, you know, that's a really excellent question. And there's probably some debate on that. A lot of it seems to be instinctual. Okay. But there's a gentleman by the name of, um, here we, here we go again with me trying to remember uh, remember names uh, da, 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 da. let's see. Uh, Honeybee Democracy is one of his books. I'm searching the internet here as we're speaking. Thomas Seely, okay Dr. Thomas Seely. He's written several books on bees. And when you read his book, something that he's been trying to get to the bottom of as well, is how much of bee, honeybees' behavior is instinctual, and how much of it is
2: free thought? Yeah,
1: and it's a bit freaky to see that there's some areas where you really wonder how smart, how intelligent are these are these creatures? Uh, something as simple, as personally, how I've witnessed how bees will react differently to different people in a bee art. Uh, it, it's just, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I think too, when you look at a honeybee sensory wise, what they're able to sense and observe around with their surroundings is far more sophisticated than we are on certain things. Okay. As far as, you know, their sensitivity to pheromone their sensitivity to electrical,
0: uh, charges, uh, yeah, you know, different different things like that. Do you do you think maybe that we have that too? That we just ignore that. I I've had some. I mean, this is off topic again, but mm-hmm. I I've had some thoughts on that before, and I've had some conversation with people before. And I I feel as we get our social, society grows, and we get more social and less, you know. Um, I guess wild or uh, feral for that matter, we lose mm-hmm. maybe some of that stuff, the pheromones, uh, being able to detect pheromones and, and barometric pressures and stuff like that that we lose over time as humans? Mm-hmm. Do you think well, that's a thing? I think thing? the thing, uh, you know, whenever you're studying
1: the human mind and human ability, I mean, the perfect thing is, you know, register Bannister's four-minute miles that for hundreds and hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, people thought it was impossible. And then the year after he was able to accomplish it, I think there was three or four others yeah. that broke that barrier. And so, and and that's a, obviously, I mean, there's, there's wide industries of personal growth and uh, self-improvement that have been grown out of exactly that question
0: uh martial arts also uh also explores that. I think and I think everything a, does. You know, yeah. I mean look at look at I don't know if you are uh if you're into motorcycles at all at all, but uh the freestyle motorcycle uh game, you one guy did a backflip, never been done before, mm-hmm. nobody could ever do it. And then now people are doing double and triple backflips. You know, right. it's just no, it's very it's, much so. You know, I think it's, it's when somebody sets that bar of "Hey, you can do it," then people will be are more apt to to try or or attempt. But very true. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. Anyways, yeah, ba- you know, Let's go is, back to the and, disease. And I think <laughs> that's what makes it so awesome is that it is open ended. I don't think the question we will ever be able to ask or answer, rather. Yeah. And because of that, I think it'll continue to push us forward. Well, good. Yeah, I I just wonder. It's like I feel like lately I, I I'm in the thought process of, I feel like humans are losing certain abilities, uh, mm-hmm. maybe more instinctual abilities. Um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe now we're doing where technology is doing a lot of that for us. Um, but who knows, maybe it's opening gates that we weren't using before and, and taking us down a different road, but, Instead of being instinctual, now it's more intellectual. I don't know, but well, it's like
1: the old. It's like the old uh, saying was, "It Socrates or uh, whoever, you know, that the unexamined life is not worth living." And you know, we it, it's important. It's important that
0: we continue to always reexamine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I. I guess that's one thing that I I tend to do all the time I'm always examining myself and questioning myself and questioning my surroundings. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, no, very very much so. This is very important. <laughs> yeah. Now that we now we got our philosophy lesson done, let's uh let's <laughs> let's get back to the bees. Anyways, we were at uh where were we at? We were talking about bee intelligence. As yes. far, as far as uh them them uh leaving when they get a virus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's,
1: it's really quite fascinating. And so, you know, the whole problem or the whole issue that we had with CCD and honeybees, you know, collapsing their colonies collapsing is that it created a resurgence of interest in beekeeping. And so we've actually seen a positive trajectory on the amount of commercially managed hives since that time. So bees are making a comeback, and thankfully, too, there's a lot of people who have gotten involved in beekeeping or just even doing this podcast. You know, I mean, you just, I, I would imagine that one of the reasons that you even wanted to do this podcast is because of the interest you had and or interest that other people have expressed to you in kind of this really interesting world of bees and beekeeping.
0: Yeah, it, it really, yeah, you, you kind of hit it on the head. I guess if I think about it, it's because I know several people, uh, you included, uh, but people I work with and stuff that all are have been getting into it and, and have been playing around with it. Um, mm-hmm. I've kind of, being in forestry and dealing with pollinators all the time, uh, it's always been something kind of there in the forefront, but never really anything tangible. Um, yeah. but I would say my biggest interest in it, um, now as a landowner and a tree farmer, uh, I have, I have, I see an interest as far as, you know, pollinators and, and helping out my, myself and my own crops, but I also have always had an interest in, uh, winemaking. So the interest of mead is really, uh, kind of opened my eyes to honey. So I, nice yeah, so I kind of have I kind of have like a a weird a weird look at it or a weird reason for being interested in it, but I would just say it 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 really has just always fascinated me because it's something I don't know anything about, and I really haven't taken much time to research it, but it's always something that I think about, and I don't know why because i'm not a big I'm not a big bee person like I mean other than working mm-hmm. in the woods and getting stung by hornets and stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm really not a fan of bees. Uh, they do make like, mm-hmm. delicious honey, but I'm not really a fan. So yeah, for me, it's just kind of a weird, I, I, I dabble in everything and anything. Like I, I'm a kind of person that, uh, I, I guess I'm ADHD. Like I'll do something for until I figure I've either understood it or mastered it. And then I move on to something else. And that could be five minutes sure. or five hours, maybe five years. I don't know. But yeah, uh, yeah, so that that's just me. Like I'm always I always got a million irons in the fire, and it just seems that like beekeeping it's just never been on my radar. It's always been my mind, but it's never been on my radar as something I want to attempt. So right, so that's where you come in.
1: <laughs> no, it, 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 it's it's fascinating, and the learning never ends. Yeah, I mean, you would think you would think for a simple bug. <laughs> That, you know, it'd be pretty easy to kind of corner it, and you know, just sort of, you know, take, get, been there, done that. But it's the learning never ends, and yeah. it's it is a yeah, it, I love it, absolutely love it.
0: So I have I have a quick question. So we've established the fact that CCD or CCB, which Whoops. is say that again, is it CCB or CCD? Oh, CCD is in Delta. So Delta, okay. Uh, chronic Colony. Wait a minute, Colony Collapse Disorder. There disorder, disorder. Okay. So, so you're. So, what I've learned so far is that that was a caused by a virus. Because what I hear everybody squawking about is about pesticides. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of pesticides myself, but I do use them, and I use them on a large amount because that's just what you have to do uh, to control, you know, pests. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, but I've always felt a little guilty about that because what you all hear in the media and what you hear everywhere is that pesticides are killing all our pollinators. Pesticides are giving our elk hoof rot. Pesticides, pesticides, pesticides. So they're giving us cancer. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I guess kind of refreshing to hear that maybe not the the major cause of all our pollinators going <laughs> south are because of Monsanto is not not responsible for everything. So right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well and, and we should we should disclose Eric, that we're getting paid tens of thousands of dollars to, to say that and to to come uh, come from this perspective from 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 those companies, yeah. right? Well, here's here's the joke, right? Because, and I make this every uh, almost every podcast is I have no sponsors, <laughs> I get no money from nobody. This thing, this this pony rides itself. So, uh, yeah. Well, you know, for, for me, it would kind of be nice for me to
1: get sponsored because you know I I am saying these things and right. know, that are not against the against these large companies, and so if they want to pay me to continue to say it, by all means, no, I um. For me, it's uh, I haven't delved into. I, I I have a deep respect for people who dedicate their lives to be experts on different topics. And for me, the uh, the discussion on was it gly, glyphosate or whatever uh, glyphosate ingredients and, what's that
0: glyphosate glyphosate. There we go. Yeah.
1: Like in Roundup and what have you, there we do see a connection as far as uh, creating some issues as far as in the brood rearing of honeybee colonies, and we we do see we do see some effect with that. But the thing is, is that I I get really uncomfortable when people expect. Uh, mere human beings and mere mortals to have some kind of crystal ball to know how things are going to play out in the long run. And so, you know, there's a lot of, it, it's a very complex topic of asking, you know, well, you know, should we be using these chemicals or shouldn't we? Um, you know, I, I keep telling people, I said, you know, the util, utilization of penicillin for treating uh, bacterial infections was... An artificial, an unnatural at the time utilization of the chemical compounds of a fungus to battle bacteria. But yet it has saved tens of hundreds of, they will probably millions of lives, not billions by this time. Yeah. Uh, and so it's kind of the same perspective of, you know, there's nothing wrong with us looking at engineering chemicals. Uh, engineering, you know, I mean that's that's another one of those words that unfortunately is uh, you know taken out of uh, taken out of context and and utilized for more of an emotional response. I mean everything we have around us is made up of chemicals. <laughs> and right. He utilizes chemicals. Our body, including manufactures. ourselves. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean our body manufactures chemicals. But anyway, long story short. But, so for me, that's, that's the whole thing is that, okay, so we have, you know, Roundup and has, you know, uh, some issues that it brings to honeybee health. Well, how do we move forward responsibly? And, you know, that's not necessarily a easy path to lay out. Because, I mean, it's just like the, uh, you know, somebody was talking about, uh, you know, our almond pollination that we do in California. And, you know, we're having to depend at this point on different chemicals to treat our bees to keep them alive. And there's some people who would say that we are artificially interfering with the evolutionary process by keeping what might be inferior stock alive artificially via chemicals, when what we really need to do is just let our bees you know, let what bees live, live, and breed from that stock, and let bees die, you know, you know, let them get them out of the gene pool.
0: Kind of that 10% but, rule, that 10% is going to have immunities to that, and then they will survive, and they will pass it on, blah, 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 blah right? Right, yeah. very much so. And there's some credence to that, but the thing is, is that you have to also
1: ask, okay, but practically, how do we play that out to a uh you know like the almond industry in California it represents about three point four billion or three point six billion dollars and that's just directly related to the almond industry. Never mind the workers, never mind the uh you know the trickle down economics of the effect that, that would have. And so it's kind of this thing of that I think if people are willing to come to the table with humility of saying, you know, listen yeah, I mean, to me, as much as politicians can annoy annoy the crap out of me, I also have a deep respect for the complexity of the issues that they have to address, whether it's on a you know, state level or a federal level. And so, you know, you just uh, we have to be really careful not to throw out uh, you know pat solutions for things that are really complicated. And uh, you know, the whole chemical Chemical issue and how it affects honeybees and agriculture and and crop management all this stuff it's it's a very complicated issue,
0: yes, yeah, well, and I think that's why you know that's what frustrates me with with anything is that you you have these complicated issues um and then you get uh, a twenty second or ten second sound bite. Of somebody, you know, does somebody use their opinion of what soundbite to cut out, and that's what the masses get, you know, because they don't know. Like most people, when it comes to something like bees, are 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 like me. They they just don't know, you know, you, well, you don't know, you don't know, and you believe what you hear, um, and that's you know, that's kind of the whole reason why I'm why I'm sitting here today, uh, yeah. is is because it's like well. There's a lot of things that people don't know about certain things, and if I could do my part to get that message out, then I'm going to do it. But yeah, yeah you know, I, I, I agree 100% with you on that. That's, we have a very similar yeah. opinion there. But, well, I mean, it's it, it just, you know,
1: you have to have the more learning that you do, the more humility that should come into your life simply because, I mean, like when you talk about, you know, some of my friends who spent years earning their way to a doctorate degree, uh, they'll be the first to tell you that they can be very confident and an expert in this fine little area of expertise that they've chosen to focus on. But even with that, the learning always continues. And so, uh, you know, and, and for us, I mean, you know, most of most, if not all of us, are inclined towards intellectual laziness. You know, hearing a sound bite that may already uh, uh, kind of give in to preconceived uh, prejudices that we might have or, or worldviews, and we just accept it face of value because it makes sense to us.
0: <laughs> well, or it's all we know, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So. And, uh, you know, it, it's an uncomfortable process to flesh out why you believe what you believe. And to uh, to hold it up uh to the uh, criticism.
0: Yeah. I you know, I've always thought and I guess the way I live my life is that I plan to learn something new every day of my life. And the day yeah. that, that I don't learn something new, I'm probably going to be pushing daisies. But right. you know, it, it's not everybody has that kind of mindset, you know. That's that's a very unique mindset. Um I have it is very unique. No, it is very unique. It is very because it's uncomfortable. You, you, uh, it's very uncomfortable to push yourself into areas that constantly challenge you. Yeah, yeah, that, and, and it's, and it. They're again talking about humility. You have to have the humility to say, "I don't know this. Teach me. I'm willing to right. learn. I'm willing to open my ears and shut my mouth and listen to what you have to say." Totally. Yeah. Totally. All right. So be, well, well like I said, that's once again,
1: I mean, like I said, as much as I can get irritated by by politicians, I also have a respect for uh, just from some of the ones that I've known and talked to that have kind of given me snippets of actually how complicated, I mean, a perfect example would be foreign affairs. Um, the, <laughs> there's so many facets and it's so easy, you know, for us, uh, you know, in our comfortable, wonderful country to, uh, you know, throw out these pat solutions for things that are just way more complicated than what what most people realize.
0: That's, that's uh, yeah, that's a good way of looking at things. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I've, I've really put put that into this, that situation before, but yeah, I like that. So anyway, yeah, okay. It, 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 that's the whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's pod, that's the next podcast. After the other podcast. Yep, that's the next, exactly. Uh Philosophy One on One. Anyways, okay, so <laughs> we know that now the the, the the large cause of downturn with the bees are from virus, not necessarily from chemicals, but chemicals might be a component because it has issues with the young, right? Yeah, I, I think that the safe thing to
1: see is that kind of the same thing that, you know, there's a common complaint that I receive usually late summer of people having their beehives overrun by yellow jackets. Okay. And it's a secondary cause. Um, if your bees are getting overrun by yellow jackets, chances are really good that it's because the colony's health has been compromised uh, from something else in the first place. And sort of the same thing with the, uh, uh, the chemicals or the, uh, what, what is it again, glyphosate or the... Glyphosate. Glyphosate. Yeah. For whatever reason, I just always I always want to say glycol or any... Anyway, <laughs> those, those things have a effect, a, a much greater effect if the honeybee colony health is already compromised. Okay. And one of the big compromises is these 30 different viruses, uh, or around there, I can't remember if it's 28 or 31, it, it's around 30 different viruses that uh, that those varroa mites carry.
0: So, and it, so it's pretty common then for the, the same reason that, say, COVID-19 is killing people, is if you have underlying issues, if your immune system's is compromised, uh, if you have a tree, totally. and it's got root disease, and then all of a sudden it's compromised, so the beetles attack it. Like, it's, yep. it's just, if we're being compromised, we're vulnerable. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yep. The bees are just vulnerable?
1: Yeah, yeah they are, and, and the reason being, too, is because you constantly have this vector that is incredibly proficient at reproduction of the varroa mite within that closed community as well. Hmm. So it's sort of like, you know, you have the stadium full of people, which, you know, is actually a good analogy because you know, stadium full of people is sure about the same population of a honeybee colony with wood ticks, you know, the size of dinner plates that can reproduce exponentially. And so it's uh you know the USDA along with other private beekeepers are working hard on trying to find bees that are naturally tolerant to mites and or, uh, you know, kill them, uh, called the ankle biters or whatever. There's actual bees that will <laughs> find mites and chew the legs off of them.
0: Sweet. Um, yeah. And so special is, forces bees. Being, what's that? <laughs> it's a special forces bees. Yes,
1: yeah, exactly. Little, it's, really, it's really neat when you see them with a the little trident uh, trident uh, patch. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Anyway. But, but but yeah, no, so that's that's sort of where we're at and um it's it's a very interesting it's a very challenging time. But uh yeah, I mean anything in life worthwhile is challenging.
0: Yeah, it sounds to me like we could get rich if we made a horror movie about a bunch of people in the stadium with dinner-sized plate uh, ticks just attacking everybody. Yeah. Like that could be a really no. good movie. No, I
1: think so too. You know, everyone went to go see a peaceful football game, and then suddenly the uh, the killer mites came out and uh, started infecting people.
0: Yeah, it would be but, like uh, it'd be like uh, what is that Sharknado? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well,
1: yeah, sure. <laughs> and throw in
0: thirty different viruses. I mean, we could have uh, yeah. COVID
1: <laughs> yeah. nineteen. Even uh, you know, bring back H one N one from its heyday. SARS,
0: uh, yeah. Avian flu. I mean, there's, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> oh, crazy! <laughs> can, can we can we throw in uh, Lyme disease too? Oh yeah, yeah. Easily, yeah. That, right. goes, that goes well with Corona. Oh man, so. <laughs> Yeah, that so that paints a really good picture for me, actually. So I understand for for however morbid that is, it, it does it does paint a very well or a very good picture that I can understand and visualize. So yeah, I'm good with well, that. Well, and then well, and like I said too,
1: and so you take that stadium analogy, and then you think, okay, as a commercial beekeeper, we're per, putting 32 of those stadiums in close proximity with each other. And so it's all the more, you know, and you know, I mean, <laughs> like it, like I said, it kind of, it, it's a good analogy. It breaks down in some ways and said that, you know, bees drift. So I mean, talk about, you know, you have 32 stadiums full of people who are ongoing with their tailgating and drifting back and forth all the time. Uh, you really have to make sure that you're on top of outbreaks, uh, or, you know, things can get bad real quick. Really quickly,
0: and so you you say there's a chemical that you guys use for for treating this, or you, that when you see this, um, you try to uh, treat it with something. There's yeah, there's several different chemicals.
1: Um, there's actually a couple of couple of them that are considered organic that actually work really well. Uh, formic acid, oxalic acid, and then there's also some uh, other chemicals. Probably the uh, the most popular one right now is, uh, the brand name is APABar and it's uh, the active ingredient is Amitraz. And interestingly enough, we've had other chemicals come on the market that the mites have actually been able to build up resistance to within a handful of years, whereas the Amitraz-based one uh, has actually had consistent results for, I think it's going on over 20 years now. But obviously, our concern is if the mites build a tolerance
0: up to it, where are we going to go, and what are we going to do? You need and, special forces weird. bees. The special forces, the trident bees. Yeah, trident bees. bees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bring in, bring in the team. Yeah, would it be the uh uh the Spartan bees? That's what you should call them. <laughs> maybe, maybe. You know, the poster, the poster for that would look mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, maybe we should recruit the murder bees and just train them to attack the mites instead of the uh, the honeybees.
1: You know that could actually be you know if we could uh, you know somehow train them you know psychologically yeah yeah you know, maybe a little bit of boot camp and um, quarantine quarantine the murder hornets yeah and then and you, then,
0: you uh, just got to get the pheromones yeah. right
1: if so you just get yeah, the and then indoctrinate the heck out of them
0: <laughs> yeah. You just you just change the pheromones, you take the pheromones of the, the honeybees that they like to kill, and you put them on the mites, and then the mites are just innocent bystanders.
1: Well, it would also help to have a record that just continues to play that mites are evil, mites yeah, are evil. Yeah, brainwashing,
0: um, yeah, brainwashing, <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: along with some classical music, and, and yeah, I, I think, you know, just, yeah, just
0: let them go. Right. Oh, that's awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna find that track for you know, uh every uh bombing, uh airplane bombing from like World War Two had that one classical music track. The uh yes. I forget what it's called, but I'm gonna find
1: yes, that uh I know exactly which one you're talking about
0: too. Um Yes, exactly. That one, right? Yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna find that and I'm gonna insert it into this part of the conversation. <laughs> that
1: would that would be good. That <laughs> would be good. And it just kind of reinforces the uh, the incredible incredible wisdom and advice that we're
0: dispensing. Right? That's
1: now. right. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, there there's advice. We, and we you just got to humility too. Yeah, you got to. There's advice in here, and there's good there's good information. You just got to weed through the bullshit. Yeah. Well, you know.
1: <laughs> It's kind of like the, uh, there's a, there's a story about a guy who had a optimist for a son and a pessimist for a son. And it kind of irritated him how unbalanced both kids were because the one was just totally an optimist. The other was totally a pessimist. And so they had a birthday coming up that they were going to share on the both same day. I guess they must have been twins down retrospect. Anyway. And so the father said, listen, I'm going to fix these kids for once. And so he went and bought the pessimist, the most fanciest bike that he could ever, I mean, just ever imagine. It was the hottest thing. And for the optimist son, he dumped a bunch of horse crap in his room. And so the day, you know, the birthday comes, and the father checks on the pessimist and the uh, he says, you know, how do you like your gift? And the pessimist son says, oh, it's horrible. You know, this bike, you realize how fast it can go, everything? I'm going to end up breaking my leg. I'm going to kill myself. Plus two, too, all of the kids that see me with it, they're going to want to steal it, blah, blah, blah. And so the father thinks, oh, my God, you know, I just can't get through to this kid. So he goes over to the optimist kid's room thinking, okay, listen, you know, the horse crap has got to have rained on this guy's parade. He opens up the door, and he sees his optimistic son, with a big smile on his face, digging through the horse crap. And the father says, what in the world are you doing? And the optimist son says, hey, listen, with as much horse crap as there is, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere.
0: (laughs) Yes. You just described my two two sons. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's great. So, okay. So, back to bees. Um, What's if if somebody wanted to get into beekeeping, let's just say somebody like me uh i got a little bit of i got a little bit of property i got a little bit of room to stretch my legs and i i don't know anything i i don't i have zero knowledge other than i now know that c c d is a thing um what what would how would i get started where where do where do i where do i go what do i look up who do i talk to what, how do I, just, what's, what's, my, what's my deal? I would
1: suggest going to our YouTube channel, The mm-hmm. High Five Bees, and just, just going through those videos and just kind of getting an overview of just bee behavior and, and things like that. And then there's a couple of really great uh, retailers. There's one locally here in Rochester called Bee Line. Woodenware and Apiary, and also uh, online, Man Lake, M-A-N-N, Man Lake. Uh, it's kind of like the Amazon of beekeeping supplies. But both of those places sell beekeeping kits. Okay. And, um, and it's foreboding. It's foreboding for in the beginning because there is a lot to learn. But it is incredibly rewarding.
0: Well, what exactly uh, is in a kit? What does a kit consist of?
1: A kit, usually, I mean, obviously there's different types of kits, but, you know, the kit that you probably want to look at is one that actually has the hive in it, the beehive, without the bees, obviously. But the, uh, you know, the wooden, the wooden parts of the hive, you know, that you put the bees in, a smoker, a hive tool, which is uh, kind of a glorified, actually, paint scraper that you can buy from Home Depot or whatever, uh, hardware store. And a veil, uh, depending on your comfort level. I mean, you might want a full bee suit or not. Uh, for me, I've just never been crazy about getting stung in the face, but also don't usually like wearing a full suit because it gets so hot. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty well the, you know, the biggest thing. And then of course, you know, the bees themselves, uh, you can buy your bees, you know, between in our area, between April and May. And uh, we just actually finished up all of our bee sales. Uh, just, well, actually we'll be doing the final pickup of bees this
0: Saturday. Okay. All right. So I, I do have a question, and this is more for a friend of mine, but they're not asking. I've just heard them frustrated with their situation, and so I'm going to ask for them. But apparently, sure. it seems like they've been having issues with their bees uh, overwintering. and. Mm-hmm uh they have lost a couple of hives here in a couple years and, and I guess it sounds like the this latest issue um they were putting out sugar water for them because they were worried that they weren't get, getting enough uh nectar and whatnot and they said they weren't they weren't taking to the sugar water and they were worried that they were gonna lose another hive um, I guess so this is two parter so one, is there anything they can do, or what does that mean if they're not taking the, uh, the sugar water? And two, what would cause them to lose a hive in the fall or winter?
1: First off, I'd be interested to see what they're doing with their sugar water. Because like for spring, what you're to do is one part sugar, one part water. Okay. Uh, if, if you, if you uh, dilute it down too much, the bees won't take it another time. When bees will not take uh, sugar water is if they have their own honey flow going on. So if they're being able to forage, like currently the low-lying native blackberries are starting to bloom. Uh, Two, three weeks ago, we had the maples blooming. If bees have resources like that, they won't touch sugar water.
0: You just just described my entire property. I got 20 acres of nothing but blackberries and maple trees.
1: You know we gotta put bees on your property.
0: I'm time. I'm telling you, man, we we gotta do it.
1: <laughs> no, that that's because I mean maple maple honey too is just absolutely incredible. But anyway, so those are the questions for that. I as far as bees not making it through the winter, I would suggest probably uh, you need to treat for mites at least three times a year. Okay. And most people will maybe treat once, and oftentimes too late in the year. And so, what we've been, what we find successful here, is to treat end of July,
0: and then mid September, and then early spring. So, like say mid March to the end of March. Gotcha. And and then how do you how do you treat them? Do you do use a fog machine? Is it you put it on each individual bee? Yes. It all depends on which treatment you're using. Um, a lot of, a lot of treatments come in strips,
1: uh, strips that you actually put between the frames. Okay. Uh, in the boxes. Uh, some are vapor. And so, you know, you do you know, like formic acid, uh, which is a popular one, comes with the vapors in a pad, which you put in the hive and, uh, that, uh, uh, distributes, it vaporizes itself. Uh, from the ambient air temperature, and uh, yeah, I mean, and, and any one that you buy it can obviously have detailed detailed instructions on it how to use it.
0: Okay, so I guess let's let's break it down then because I got I got a couple of questions that I know people are going to ask. Um, sure. So let's start with the hive. So if I'm going to buy a hive, or excuse me, I'm going to buy a colony of bees. Right? Is that is that the right mm-hmm. pronunciation? Is is a colony? So that's going to come with a queen and a few worker bees. Is that correct? Or drones?
1: Yeah, it's going to come with a queen and worker bees. I mean, there's going to be drones probably in there,
0: too. What's the difference Um, between a worker bee and a drone? Let's start there.
1: Worker bee is female, and a drone is male. Okay, and what is their jobs? So the drone's job is just more or less just to reproduce, to mate with the queen. Uh, that that is it and then obviously the uh the honeybee uh, worker female worker does all the work All the rest of the work that sounds like a pretty good <laughs> life of course, it, it is it is you know it's the, only, the, the bad deal for the drone is that mating kills them oh damn and uh, that, the that's... reason the reason being is that when they mate uh the queen does not give back his uh, manhood uh, No. she cuts it off and Flies off with it and leaves him to die. So hopefully it's worthwhile for them.
0: It sounds like salmon, man. They, <laughs> <laughs> they haven't do that too. Well, kind of. I mean, salmon. They, they you know they they spend their whole life trying to get to the ocean and then trying to get back to their birthplace and then they you know the female lays the eggs in in the rocks in the stream that they're all born in and the male he comes up and fertilizes them and then they both die. <laughs> yeah. And it's exactly. like there's a there's a problem with that life cycle. That's old yeah. that's antiquated. Was this was this worth it? Yeah, it's like man, we need to come up with new technology. Like your 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 life plan of, of spending your whole life is four years and then coming up spreading your seed and dying is that's that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work I anymore. Would agree. I would agree with you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm glad I've lived
0: to I'm glad mm-hmm. I've lived to see having three kids. Yeah, I agree. I, that's that's <laughs> actually as much as I bitch about them. They that is probably the highlight of my life. But
1: well, hey. you know, I mean, you, you, I think it's you know, I think the way you know you're a normal parent is when you uh, oscillate on the same day between you know wanting to murder your kids and wanting to hug them and hold them forever. Because, yeah, uh, it's a pretty normal.
0: <laughs> yeah it It's funny, normal I, fluctuation, yeah, I've noticed lately, so we uh we kind of live in a neighborhood it's it, i mean we're we got pretty good sized lots, you know, but we're so close enough that it's like every once in a while you know I'll yell at the kids or be barking at the kids or whatever, and then I'll so like shit, the window's open, and then every once in a while I'll be out in the shop or whatever, and it's quiet, and the door will be open, and I'll hear the neighbor. You know, barking at his kids. I'm like, all right, I don't feel so bad. At least I'm not the only one. <laughs> but yeah, you could you can sit on the right time of day, you could sit in the neighborhood and hear hear kids getting in trouble for for something somewhere. <laughs> so Yeah, no, totally. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so we got drones, but the males, we got worker bees, females, and then the queen. So that's what you're gonna get if you buy a uh uh colony of bees yep okay so let's break down the hive then so you have a wood box right is there specific dimensions for this wood box or can it be anything you want
1: uh it can it can be really anything you want if you're carpentry inclined okay um you know for me i'm not and so i buy all of my boxes and i think it's uh I think usually common is pine okay uh, that makes sense economic yeah it's economical and kind of lightweight
0: and it doesn't have any chemicals or anything in it so pine's pretty neutral when it comes to like you wouldn't want cedar something that has a bunch of chemical oils and stuff in, in the wood preservatives you want something that's natural wood right
1: well you know interestingly enough cedar does have some uh, there is a lot of people who use cedar lids. Okay. Obviously, I mean, you know, it's out in the weather. Uh, cedar beehives can be, can be utilized. Uh, they do, uh, there's actually some interesting, uh, research on whether cedar beehives don't have a artificial, uh, repulsion to mites and certainly to wax moths, which can be an issue. Uh, a, a moth that literally will come in. To weaker hives and try to lay eggs which uh, can eat eat the
0: wax and uh, just just cause a mess interesting well i'll tell you i'll tell you my little bit of experience on that and that's that uh being a dog person and and growing up raising all kinds of dogs and and animals farm animals uh cedar shavings we always use those uh for dog beds because uh, fleas would definitely stay away from that cedar oil. So mm-hmm. I, I just assume that bees also would be affected by that. But you're saying maybe the mites are, but not the bees so much.
1: Yeah, the bees we haven't really seen any kind
0: of negative effect of. Okay, cool. That's good to know. Because that's. Yeah, uh, yeah very much so. Maybe that's something you could use too as an extra deterrent for those mites if you could make them out of cedar. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we might have to do some talking because uh, one of my projects I got coming up on my property is I'm going to buy myself a personal portable sawmill, and I have a lot of cedar on that property as well. So we might be, yeah. uh, I might be building some, uh, making my own lumber, and maybe we need to build some boxes and we'll do some swapping bees for boxes or something. Bye, day man. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. <laughs> so. All right, so we got a box and a wooden box, and then inside the box we have uh, they uh, what are they called? They're like not a rack. What what is, what is it called in there? Frames. Frames. Yeah, frames. Yeah, and the frames. Now, are they already honeycomb looking, or are they just like a smooth piece of wood? We have a we have a
1: plastic foundation that we use that's coated with beeswax, so that kind of gets them started.
0: Okay, so it's kind of it's, it's kind of already pre-started. Yep. Yep. Okay. And, and then, then they draw it out, and then they just they just make their own combs and they fill the combs with is it eggs that they fill the combs with and then cover them in honey or how does that how does that work? Yep. It's it's either eggs or honey. It kind of depends
1: on where it's placed in the hive. Okay. And uh, it's it's a pretty it's pretty fascinating. It's beautiful. And another thing too that most people will realize is actually beeswax is perfectly white when it first uh, when it first comes out of the bees. The yellow color that people are used to seeing is actually from propolis, which is from tree
0: resin, and also pollen being tracked into the wax. Mm. Interesting. I never I guess I've never really thought about that. I guess I, I've seen it both like almost a snow white color and then have that. Yeah. Like you're saying like yellowish hue to it. Yep. But yeah. Okay. It's, no, it, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful
1: white. And, uh, and it's, it like I said, for it, it, these just are one of those things that inspire wonderment to a level that is just, uh, it's awesome. And if you ever get a chance to get involved in it or just even watch, you know, some of the YouTube videos, it is it is truly truly awe inspiring and, and you know I appreciate you bringing me on here Eric to to talk about
0: it. Yeah, no problem, man. I I uh, I've learned a lot. Um, yeah, it is. It, it's it's becoming something. I, I'm going to watch every one of those videos, by the way. So, uh, by the way, to plug my own thing, I do have my own YouTube channel now. And I have actually awesome. started a series on how to build a privacy uh, six-foot board fence. I got parts one and part two up, so you might want to check that out if you get a chance. Yeah,
1: yeah. No ball. Can you? Well, text it to me. Text it. Actually, if you want to tell me, I'm talking about plugging here.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's tell actually me the, tell me the channel name. It's mediocre outdoors on YouTube. Just just the same as my as my podcast. Got it.
1: No, I appreciate it, Eric. It's been great chatting with you and uh
0: you know, look forward to look forward to us talking about bees more in the future. Oh yeah. Well you can guarantee this won't be the last one because I already have more questions. So yeah, we <laughs> will we, we will do another one of these here before too long. But uh I really appreciate it, Kevin. It was uh, it was a lot of fun and uh like I said, I wanna do another one. So you guys oh, uh please. take care with this COVID thing. I hope everything's going well with the diner and uh We'll talk to you soon. No, sounds
1: great, and I'll uh, I'll let you know when that bottle of whiskey comes in.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> like I said, if you want to buy more than one, maybe like a case, uh, I would not have a problem going in on that.
1: So, boy, hey man, it sounds. Let, let's talk
0: soon. Okay, we'll do. Thanks for listening to this mediocre outdoors podcast. And please don't forget to leave a review. The right hand most star would be the best. But do what you think is best. Also, if you would like to contact me about a comment, a question, or even new content that you would like to see, you can get a hold of me at Instagram, Mediocre Outdoors, all one word, all lowercase. Thanks for listening.